0: Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we're going to be talking about two of my very favorite things. We're going to be talking about Star Wars and zombies with Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me, as always, are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad.
1: Your reminder, this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this very old book. In addition to that, we are going to spoil anything else Star Wars that comes out of our mouths. So you have been warned. Ryan, it's been real slow lately. Tell me you got something this week.
2: We got a little bit. Obviously the big news is that Filoni has been named the chief creative officer of Lucasfilm of Star Wars. And then what kind of got lost in that announcement is it's not just Filoni that got promoted. Uh, Carrie Beck, who has worked with Filoni on rebels and did some of the Clone Wars, was also named the chief of development. And so, you know, it's interesting. He, they've kind of sussed out what this, or he has, I guess, done some interviews about what this is like. And it seems like a correction of he's kind of in charge of the overall narrative. Like, they finally kind of found their Kevin Feige that Marvel uses. Now, what I thought was interesting about Beck's job, what they're saying her job is is to recruit. And that's how they're putting it. She's going to go out and find filmmakers and be kind of the liaison for that of people that want to make movies and then kind of then bring them into Filoni. Who's then going to, I guess, channel the story, you know, reactions have been mixed. I forget. There's a large segment out there that don't like Filoni. And look, is Filoni a good writer? Not really. Like
1: it's, you know, you know, he's, the gotten ones, better. he's gotten better
2: yeah like the episodes of clone wars and rebels and the ones that people love are not ones that he wrote but hey george lucas not a stellar writer either you know i think it's a good correction that the sequels obviously you know we talked a thousand times about how their problem is there wasn't a overall narrative or a plan and so now they've got someone who is one person who's going to be in charge of the plan.
1: Just more the process of naming him heir apparent.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it's, it's
1: what he is. He's heir apparent to George Lucas. I mean that's just what he's becoming.
2: Yeah, between these two and, you know, Kennedy maybe she's going to step down oh. eventually like this is kind of her exiting or maybe she's just going to be, you know, the overall let her talk to Disney, <laughs> like, you know, let Felony do the story and let her deal with the streaming rights and whatever.
1: Deal with Bob Iger.
2: Yeah, yeah, so that was pretty good. Just on a fun note, this week on December 5th, we'll see the release of Disturbance in the Force, which I'm kind of looking forward to. It is a documentary that debuted at Sundance about the holiday special.
1: Yes, I've heard about this.
2: The trailer looks good, it looks interesting. I guess my question is, do you think at some point? No, you don't think ever. No, I just,
1: I mean, I know they've released some of it. Technically they released the, they released the cartoon, section, the cartoon
2: and now yeah. they've released figures. Well, they've released the Chewbacca like yeah. in the robe. Does he have an orb? I don't see an orb in his hand. And he does have a little orb. Okay. They've released the orb at the Disney Store. Like,
1: Ryan, it's who so is the orb bad.
0: Available again? I know. No, the it's orb is not so
1: bad. Again. It's not. It's not even fun. Bad. I know. That's the problem with the. That's the problem with the Christmas special. With the the holiday special, is it's not fun. Bad. It's boring. Bad.
2: It is, and you know maybe the legend of it and. Uh, you know that you can't get this, and just snippets of it is enough.
1: And you can find it; it's on YouTube. You can, well, you yeah. can watch. you can watch the whole damn thing if you want on to. On
2: YouTube, but I,
0: I can't watch the whole thing. Which
2: is the only reason I would think they they it's might release it, like because you know Disney don't like stuff out there that they don't
1: control. It's not even. It's not even. It's not even fun to watch. It's. It's it is the problem. Like if it was, if it was a good like get high with your friends and like watch a funny bad movie night type of th- thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's not even that. Yeah. It's not even that. It's just, it's just, it's boring it's, and it's weird it's painful. and it's painful. Yeah. Give me caravan of courage.
2: Yeah. Um, and then last minute news varieties put out another article. I, I mean, Vanity fair, excuse me, you know, First of all, before we get into actually what was in it, Vanity Fair sure does do a lot of Star Wars articles and interviews. It's very strange.
1: Who owns Vanity Fair?
0: I don't know.
1: Is it but part of the ABC conglomerate?
0: Secretly, Disney. It's yeah. Is it part
1: be. of that conglomerate?
0: Because they are
2: constantly doing things. They've been um,
1: doing, but they've been doing that forever. They've mm-hmm. been doing that. They they always did their Star Wars issue. Remember when the prequels came out? They did that.
2: Yeah, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, just a couple two quick, fun kind of things that were in the bandy fair. They did ask um, about the world between worlds and if that's actually Anakin. Um, and they are very clearly determined not to answer that. And they just kind of play it off like, who knows? Who knows how the world between worlds works <laughs> and all this stuff? So they seem happy to leave that alone. Now, speaking of Hayden, this is something else, but I'm happy for him. Hayden has been re-signed with his management and talent company. Oh, Apparently, Hayden's back. <laughs> I'm happy he for
0: He deserves now. it.
2: He does. Um, and then just another fun thing I kind of liked, and just something that was fun to read. Um, they were talking to Filoni about Stevenson. And kind of what the plan was. And he had some really good comments about like how he's trying to reward the Clone Wars fans, but at the same time, you know, making them seem something mysterious. And, you know, they're still trying to work out what Ahsoka season two is going to be and what's going to be involved. But the really funny uh, back and forth that they talked about was apparently him and Stevenson on the set would like have conversations and Stevenson would refuse to admit that he was the villain. And like one, he'd be like, so like, you're the bad guy. And he'd be like, no, 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 I'm not the villain. And baloney would be like, well, I know you think that, and it's good for you to think that about your character, but like, you're the bad guy here. And Stevenson would be like, Nope. (laughs) Like, I'm clearly not. And I thought that was a really good little thing from them. So How's, uh, how's Dark Droids going? Look, before you start, let me say this. This is the first week in a long time I can remember when the comics came out and I didn't read Star Wars first. Like, I looked at the covers and just went, eh, I'll get to that later.
1: That's fair. Bounty Hunters 40, which is, I guess, the last issue, next to last issue of Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. And then D-Squad number three boy d squad um i like mark guggenheim but i'm not liking that series uh it's it's almost over that's what i can say it's almost over it's been it's been a bit of a bummer but that's that's all it came out because we had a five wednesday month oh yeah so um this past wednesday we didn't get any releases at all so only had only two books have come out since we last talked and um they're both dark droids and they're both underwhelming. Um, I am mean, I'm curious to see how they're going to wrap up Bounty Hunters. I don't care that much, but I'm still still curious. D-Squad, it just just doesn't work for me. It's, it just doesn't work for me. Um, but I was never one who liked the droid episodes of the Clone Wars either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me either.
1: But uh, yeah, that's, that's all there is in comics. Just those two things.
0: So tonight's book is... Very zombie-driven. But there are so many other genres of horror that we could have Star Wars happen in. And so many other things that we would like to see, horror-wise, happen in Star Wars. So we're going to talk a little bit about horror stories we would like to see in Star Wars tonight. Who wants to go first? Who wants to throw one out there, Shwek? Yeah, I'll go. So I will say,
2: all three of mine are more geared towards a movie type of idea. Um, and probably just because I don't really read horror books. Um, I mean, it might be kind of funny to get like a Lovecraftian Elder God Star Wars book, but
1: all of mine are based on movies too. Don't
2: worry about <laughs> yeah. <it>. So minor <laughs> movies. Okay. So my first idea for Star Wars horror is at the end of Return of the Jedi, We now know that the Emperor jumped his Force Ghost, or whatever, his essence, into a new body. But, I imagine there might have been some stops along the way. So in my first one, I would like to see Sheev jump into a small girl's body. At which point we start the Emperor's Exorcist. (laughs) and when she's young and a young girl is possessed by she and says terrible things and they have to do an exorcism to get her get him out of
1: her that was my let, first one. Was was it right? not, not she. you didn't have to do a she, but a Jedi exorcist.
2: <laughs> oh, let the she flow through you.
1: I just had a Jedi and a Padawan sent to a mysterious place where, you know, some rich house and their daughter is acting crazy. And I, they have to try to, exorc- <laughs> the, the exorcism of whoever.
2: I just see like a little girl tied to the bed going, good, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, that's (laughs) definitely... The the sheave angle definitely makes it better.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So that's my first
0: one. All right.
1: Jeez. Um, How about five criminals on a job, but then right before it happens, one of them has a premonition that they're all going to die. And then they abort the mission, and then we spend the next however many store part of the, then the rest of the story is them dying in various Rube Goldberg type traps.
0: Oh okay. So, so just nice. Final Destination. Yeah. No, I love um, Final Destination movies.
1: I love them. They're so stupid. They're
0: so They're stupid. Great, the second
1: the second one's the best.
0: Oh second one's great. Second yeah. one's, and the second one,
1: one has the has the kid getting smashed by the plate glass window. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good that's a good movie death. <laughs> that's a good movie death, especially little kid. Um but yeah, like five, five, five hardened criminals on a job who then have to figure out that Tony Todd is after them and um, and try to get away from death itself.
0: Nice. Well, my first one is not movie-based. My other two are. But I really... And I don't know that we're going to get that in-depth with it in any book or any show. But I want to see The Great Mothers with more magic... And I wanna see or hear about how they created this zombie army that Thrawn apparently is going to have. Cause I think there could be some spooky, spooky shit in there. And just anything more with the Night Sisters, Dathomir, all of that is interesting to me. But we'll move on from that because mine isn't funny. My first one isn't funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Had to be funny. I was thinking, what if you're what if you're the you're a family of let's say Twi'leks get hired to be the caretakers on a mothballed Halcyon,
2: uh,
0: the,
1: the, and uh, they're that. The, and the father slowly goes crazy.
0: Damn it, Chad.
1: The father slowly goes crazy, and you have to figure out is it haunted by the ghosts of tourists past or is it spice addiction? So, it's one of the here, two.
2: Here's my note for my third one. It's Event Horizon. But it's just Event Horizon. Like, it's Event Horizon from our (laughs) galaxy. Like, it went to hell, and then before it came back, it stopped in the Star Wars universe. Same ship. Same everything. (laughs) It's just Event Horizon,
0: but some, like, Han Solo finds it. (laughs) Okay, so my my second one was The Shining as well, but it was In a non-canon way, obviously, it's Anakin, Padme, and the twins isolated somewhere, and Obi-Wan is Scatman (laughs) (laughs) Cruthers. And that's all I came up with before I dropped it for my third better idea.
1: I realized when I was working on these that most of them just came from episodes of Treehouse of Horror.
0: Well, I mean, they pretty much covered
1: everything. Because I've got like Nightmare on level 1313, which is just uh, which is <laughs> which is just a bunch of poor kids being traumatized in their dreams by some guy with like lightsaber fingers. <laughs> um, an Italian style Jallo slasher film that takes place in the world of like Coruscant high fashion. I think it'd be really cool because those were always very fashionable. You know, you get E.K. Johnson to come in and write all the clothes stuff. You know, maybe that's her story.
2: I also had written down just like a version of funny games, but just with two like young Nile kids, like terrorizing some family.
1: I wrote down last house on the left with the Nihil.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I have uh, the strangers with the Nihil. <laughs> so they we all awesome have a same. home invasion. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
2: Um, uh, my other fully formed one. Okay. So the setting it's a Jedi temple. I guess it'd have to take place and probably early prequel air when the Jedi are all around. It's a Jedi temple located on the lakes of Naboo. And some Padawans are taking some much deserved time off (laughs) when they are hunted and killed by a mother of a youngling that drowned in the lake while she was under the Jedi care. (laughs) It's Zilday cycle. The 13th.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I had Jason in space, but then they, are, they already did that.
0: <laughs> uh, it was Jason. good though.
1: That <laughs> is was. my
0: it's was my it? favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie.
1: Is it really? Oh, he it's amazing. He takes
0: that girl in the sleeping bag and slams
1: oh. her on
2: the tree. It's good every oh.
0: time when, like when, he, gets, like when he gets when he gets infested by nanobots and gets his upgrade. It's so good. The only other one note I had was the leprechaun.
2: But it's an Ugnot. Just an evil little Ugnot running around. And then you can get Ugnot in the hood, Ugnot on the moon.
1: (laughs) It's already going to be Ugnot in space. So I had instead of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I wrote down the Tuscan Lightsaber Massacre. (laughs) You could, yeah. From the point of view of kids when Anakin shows up. And uh, takes out all the uh, younglings. Like, that's a horror movie from the point of view of the Tuscans.
2: Yeah, I mean, imagine, like, we only saw, like, a small bit of that scene. Like, imagine if Anakin was there for, like,
0: hours, like, hunting them yeah. down. He killed <laughs> them all.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I, w- I was thinking, like, uh, like, younglings being hunted down is also pretty horrifying. Because some of them probably tried to hide. Okay. And... I may be the only one that finds this funny. Apologies in advance. I made myself laugh. That's all that matters sometimes. So, on the day that Satine Kreeze died, there was someone else in the th- throne room. No one saw young Corky Kreeze hiding behind a pillar. He watched as Satine, who he knew as his aunt, died in Obi-Wan Kenobi's arms. He was later saved by Death Watch, and Death Watch raised him as a true Mandalorian, filling him with anger and and rage, and and eventually Corky just goes a little off the deep end. And so Corky grows up hating both Darth Maul—oh, rewind! I forgot to mention that Death Watch lets him know that Satine is his actual mother. That was probably pretty important to the plot. Um, so Corky, ten years later, so filled with rage against Maul, who killed his mother, and Obi-Wan, the man who let his mother die, that eventually he just goes off the deep end. Randomly, one day, Obi-Wan wakes up in a dark room, chained to the wall. Who's in the room with him? Darth Maul. Corky is going to pit the two against each other and make Obi-Wan kill Maul. Or Maul kill Obi-Wan. He doesn't care which happens. Cause he's going to kill whoever comes out on top anyway. Eventually through the course of the thing, he finds out that Obi-Wan is indeed his father doesn't care. That makes it worse. <laughs> so he bonus. forces Obi-Wan to kill Maul and then Obi-Wan still doesn't get to escape. Corky kills him anyway. Sorry. Go ahead, Chad.
1: I was going to say bonus points for the use of Corky. <laughs>
0: I just wanted Corky to come back. Aboard the Imperial Prison Barge Purge, Trig Longo and his older brother Kale had just watched their father die at the hands of Jareth Satoris. These names are tough in this book just saying that in advance for selling weapons to inmates after their father's death, the Longo boys attempt to make a sale with the Delphinian face gang leader, our miss terrible name as well, who had killed their previous contact and was planning to kill the Longo boys as well. Kale reacts by ripping the piercings out of Miss's mouth and the Longo boys run back to their cell for safety. Jareth Satoris, Jareth Satoris, captain of the guard on the barge, is called into the warden's office. The warden explains that the purge's engines are down and a derelict star destroyer is in the vicinity. Satoris questions why the Empire would leave a star destroyer in the middle of space, but the warden orders Satorus to retrieve parts from the destroyer to fix the barge's engines. Satoris takes ten men aboard the Vector, which is also confusing because that's the name of the ship, not the type of ship, if you're reading the High Republic. They split up so Satoris and his men can find the parts, while the other group finds the medical bay. In the medical bay, the men find lungs in tubes, breathing in unison, and realize they are not alone and are unable to escape. Satoris' group gets back to the lift to return to the Purge. With one guard coughing violently and an engineer vomiting, the group rushes to the barge's medical bay. All of the guards are now coughing and vomiting, and then inmates and other guards begin coughing and vomiting. Soon the medical bay is full. Satoris, however, is unaffected by the virus. Zahara Cody is the chief medical officer on the prison barge aided by her 2-1-B droid, Waste. After seeing Satoris kill Von Longo, the Longo boy's father, Zahara handed in her resignation and planned to leave the Empire for good at the barge's next stop. While in the medical bay, Zahara works to deal with the sudden influx of patients, Waste concludes that the virus only activates after there are enough infected cells in the body that they cannot defend against it any longer. She realizes that their containment measures are going to be useless and rips off her isolation suit. Knowing that everyone is going to die, she tries to make them comfortable before they succumb to their fate. But Waste notes that since Zahara isn't sick, she has to be immune. So using their blood, they create an antivirus to stop the sickness in people who are already sick. The Longos are stuck in their cell watching everyone around them die. As the noises subside, they begin screaming to be let out. The cell doors are open and they walk out forgetting that Miss is in the cell next to them. Miss attacks Kale and is about to kill him when Trig jumps on him instead, but Miss Flick's flips Trig off and is about to kill him when a blade comes through Mrs. Mouth. They both run for the end of the cell block and realize that their friendly guard, Wembley, let them out right before he died. And then they make a run for the escape pods. Satorus finds out that he is also immune and goes up to the warden's office with a blaster rifle, killing anybody who seems infected, even though they're not a danger to him. But at the Warden's office, he discovers that the Warden is also infected and demands the launch codes for the escape pods before disintegrating the Warden's head. Zahara decides to get her newly created antivirus to anyone still alive on the barge, but on the bridge, when she initiates a bioscan, she finds out there are only six people left alive on the ship, two of whom are in solitary. She reluctantly goes down, tripping over bodies the entire way. She finds and pockets a note that a guard was going to give to his wife. This will matter at the end, I guess. As soon as she opens the first solitary door, a huge Wookiee comes out screaming and ready to attack. But she manages to calm him down. Zahara unlocks the next door, and a man comes out and introduces himself as Han Solo and the Wookiee as Chewbacca. For reasons. The two are initially against taking the antivirus until they see the bodies around the corner. Han takes it first, and then Chewbacca. Chewie starts showing symptoms, screaming, delirium, and a very, very swollen throat. He starts to pass out, but Sahara saves him by emptying the blisters around his neck with a syringe in a really gross way. There's
1: and a then lot of they were in this book.
0: A lot of gross. They return to the medical bay only to discover it is completely empty. All of those bodies that she stumbled over before are gone. Waste has been torn apart, and all he can react. Reply with before he deactivates Is that They came back and they ate Kale and Trig Longo Find an escape pod And are trying to figure out how to work it When Satorus appears Tells them to get out At blaster point And launches himself away
1: Like President Scroob,
0: <laughs> Exactly like that Uh, After running to a second escape pod, they run into Han and Chewie and Zahara, who tells them that they are all going to get out together as soon as she gets up to the bridge and disables the security measures. Han, Chewie, and Zahara go up to the bridge while Kale and Trig stay at the escape pod. Zahara opens the escape pod, but doesn't hear anything back on the comm link. Soon after, the bridge's computer says that there are now more lifeforms on board since its most recent bioscan. They look at the map the computer brings up and realize that all the lifeforms are headed for the bridge kinda World War Z style. In fact, exactly World War Z style. Soon after, Kale bursts through the route, through the doors with Trig in his arms and yells at them to run. They head for the turbo lift that leads to the Nasty Doomed Star Destroyer, and activate it. In the Star Destroyer's hangar bay, Kale realizes he's been bitten, and blood starts spurting out from the wound when he stands up. Zahara decides that she'll stay with Kale, while Han, Chewie, and Trig go to the bridge of the Star Destroyer to start the engines. As they walk along the corridor, the ceiling explodes and zombies pour out again, exactly like World War Z. Back in the hangar bay, Kale tells, Des- Kale tells Zahara to cut off his leg because he's been bitten. She notices his leg is turning gray and soon after realizes it's moving up towards his abdomen. Rather than try to cut off his leg, she decides to cut into his stomach, pull out some veins or something and squirt a bunch of gross infected goo out all over the floor. That is moving around and trying to find an opening on her body. Again, another really gross part of the book. Zahara and Kale realize that the zombies are coming up the turbo lift. And they have blasters. And know how to use them. She grabs Kale under the arms and drags him across the hangar. Zombies start pouring out of the turbo lift. Shooting wildly. But... Their aim gets better as they go. Zahara eventually leaves Kale after he gets a blaster bolt in the side of his head that rips off half of his face. Very gross again. She runs for the medical bay where she is attacked by a zombie. She sticks an antivirus syringe in his head and it briefly starts to act human again and scratches out the word blackwing into the ground but the cure doesn't last long, and it attacks Zahara again. Satoris, meanwhile, wakes up inside the escape pod, and he realizes that the Star Destroyer's tractor beam has sucked him in. Hearing blaster fire, he jumps outside and finds zombies everywhere. He climbs into a nearby shuttle and finds four men. One of the men, Commander Gorister, explains that the outbreak is from a weapon the Empire created and that the zombies can learn. Suddenly, two men grab Satoris and Gorister tells him that they've done what they've had to do to survive. Which means eating people. And he used to have a lot more men with him. A blast hits the shuttle and Satoris breaks free and he realizes the zombies have learned from what he did and were getting into the ship's scattered around the hangar and firing on the shuttle. Satoris starts throwing men into a crowd of zombies, but grants the last man mercy and learns that the tractor beam is keeping the shuttle from leaving. Satoris runs through the zombies to disable the tractor beam, and he reaches the other side of the hangar, only to realize he has also been bitten. Trigg, meanwhile, has followed... A zombified kale into a room with a gross, gross mountain of bodies.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gross.
0: A zombie comes through the mountain and chases him up the pile into a ventilation duct that leads to where Han and Chewie left him. Meanwhile, so basically zero sum. Zombies at the bottom of the shaft are shooting up more and more accurately. Trig tries to climb, but falls into the lifter that Satoris was piloting, conveniently. Satoris flies over to get Han and Chewie, and the overloaded lifter slowly descends into a crowd of zombies. In an unearned moment of redemption, Satoris gives Trig the controls and says, Your father was a good man, unlike me and then jumps over the edge into the zombies. The group fly back to the bridge to get Zahara, but find that it's on fire, and they assume she is dead. They get to the shuttle that Satoris had been in, and they find all of the men inside dead. So Han and Chewie fly the shuttle out of the hangar. They hear a noise and find a zombie in the back of the shuttle with them, but just before it attacks, Zahara steps out and kills it and then explains that the zombies are away from the source of the infection and therefore die more easily. The shuttle that the zombies had been... The ships that the zombies had been loading with the virus are all now floating aimlessly around the Star Destroyer because the farther away they get from the source, the less useful they are? I don't know. The story just kind of peters out after that because Han and Chewie go... find the Millennium Falcon and uh, Zahara and Trig go meet the wife of the guard who died on the barge and give the note. And then they drink tea. The end. It doesn't seem like an end, but it is the end. I've read a lot of zombie books. Like a lot. When I first got a Kindle, the first thing I did with it was get Kindle Unlimited and read every zombie book that was available to me to read for free. Because this book came out in 2009. That was the time before The Walking Dead. Before I was sick of zombies and didn't want to think about zombies again for a long, long time. So I was heavily invested in zombies. This book takes a lot from all of the really good zombie books that I read and kind of mashes it up together.
1: I've never read any other zombie books. So I don't know. I've only seen zombie movies.
2: Yeah, I think outside of The Walking Dead, I have not.
1: Well, I guess I've read Walking Dead.
2: Yeah. Zombie books.
1: But I never <sighs> read World War, Z, World War Z or anything like that.
0: Oh, I read that. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, it was a good book. It was an okay movie. Um... And that came out in two thousand six, which I checked because I was like, "Wait, these these seem an awful lot like World War Z zombies because they hoard and swarm in exactly the same way." But the the big question I have here is, why are Han and Chewie in it?
2: To remind you, it's a Star Wars book. <laughs> like that's all I got. Like
1: my question but- is, who, who's who 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 decided that? Was that the publisher or was that the author? The one that haunted Chewie in the book.
0: Yeah, I have questions about that.
1: Here's why. I I actually think it's to the detriment of the book. Because Mm -hmm. one of the fun things about a story like this is the game of who's going to make it. Right? And... You know who's who. Who of this this cast of characters that we're introduced to is going to survive, if any of them are going to survive? I mean, you know, they, they don't. They don't have to. We've all yeah. seen Cloverfield or something, right? Like, not everybody. Ma- not, sometimes n- nobody makes it. And by making these two characters, Han and Chewy, they're taking up the spot of other expendable characters that we could have had, other characters that could have been in that will will they make it or won't they make it game because because Han and Chewie are automatic winners. We know they're going to make it no matter what. And it, it eases off on the pressure a little bit by having these two for the, for functional functionally immortal characters in the story. Yeah,
2: they've it's, got plot armor. Yeah, that's exactly I what, what I was going to gonna say. They have plot
1: armor that could have been two other new characters that we would have no idea whether they were going to make it or not.
2: It almost felt sometimes like this was a book just written about zombies in space and he pitched it and they were like, but what if it was zombies in star Wars space? And then they changed some names and they were like, and good enough. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I'm of two kind of minds on this book. I do like reading. Stars books or books sometimes that aren't so like canon driven. You know, it's nice sometimes just to have a little adventure that doesn't affect the galaxy as a whole or the overarching story. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I, it, there's no reason for it to be them.
0: We could have had less time with Han and Chewie saying things that and thinking things that we know they're going to say and think and more time on new character development.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it could have done that. And it also just, you know, I, I now I will say I am you, you mentioned in your summary how gross this book is. I am surprised at how R-rated this book is. Like you, could, there's a, there's an easy way to write this as a PG-13. You know, it doesn't have to be nearly as graphic.
2: Yeah, it's not it reaching is. in people's wounds and pulling out whatever that yeah. gray stuff that moves. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's very graphic, and the way people die is very graphic, and and it's 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 gross. And I was surprised. I was surprised. I listened to it because I couldn't find my copy, so I got it on Audible and they actually do a really good job on the audiobook there's a lot of sound design even more than normal hmm. with like zombie noises and screams and stuff and scary music and um uh and you know just just the the ambient sounds of being in the you know of of, of the the zombie attacks um so i thought the book actually did a pretty effective job of making it even a little scarier, I think, Um, and made it kind of a cool experience that way. And I thought, I thought it was effective in that stuff. And I thought a lot of the, the gross stuff, a lot of the horror stuff was really effective. It's just when I got back to Han and Chewie, I was like, all right, none of this matters. No one, you know, none of this. I mean, yeah, maybe, and you could tell Trig's going to make it because Trig gets teamed up with them and you're like, all right, well, Trig's going to make it. So, it needed more characters for us to care about yeah, and to worry about. There were only a handful of characters for us to worry about. And I think it needed a few more characters for us to worry about.
0: Yeah. I I don't mind gross at all. I've read a lot of really graphic, graphic things, but this sometimes seemed needlessly gross. Like what you, you couldn't have done that in some other way. I I don't know. Some, sometimes it just threw me off a little bit with how violently gross it was.
1: I think that's part of the horror of it, right? That's, or at least that's the, it's the intent is, is, is it to be kind of gross out horror? Um, you know, very explicit, um, and zombie movies tend to be pretty gross. So, I mean, that works. Um, you know describing it is just very anatomical you know and and very bi- you know it's it, it it gets it gets disgusting and graphic and very 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 violent
0: like the the lungs that they had in that tank making the zombie <laughs> yeah. juice that was so graphically described and i'm trying to i still don't understand what the lungs were doing to supply the zombie juice. How are you pulling zombie juice out of lungs? There's a whole book about it.
2: Like Red Harvest, which is the prequel to this book that came out Ah. two or three years later. Yeah. is like the origin of it and kind of explains what it is and where it 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 goes
1: all the way back to the old Republic. Yeah. It's an old public book. It's not very good. It's not. (laughs) No, no. Because it doesn't have, because at least this has a fuck ton of zombies. Yeah. And so you at least have zombie action and crazy gross stuff. Red Harvest doesn't really have any of that. Or, or at least not a lot of that.
2: I also could have done without the sad little Wookiee kid hugging his dead parents. <laughs> and then being killed. I was like, well, that's <laughs> upsetting?
1: And then Chewie has to kill him? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I I have a big note about that because this really bothers me. So when they're first trying to escape, when they walk out of their cell, they find the little Wookiee kid in a cell with his family. And Trigg wants to save him, but the, the kid won't go. And they just walk away and they hear it screaming. And then they hear noises like it's being eaten. They hear eating noises and slurping noises. And they decide that that's none of their business how is that not your business you're you're trapped on this ship with something that's eating a baby wookiee it's it's kind of your business
1: yeah i mean it, it also i feel like i think the book is is pretty well paced you're right the ending the ending just kind of fizzles out they just kind of they they get on a shuttle
2: And they just leave the ship there like they're like, all right. Well, I mean, they can't get too far from it. They're clearly learning how to drive the regular ships. So I imagine eventually the zombies will learn to drive the Star Destroyer. But eh, just leave it. I did like the like learning part of it and how. They kind of I like the that the virus or whatever it is, the organism is intelligent and it learns and all that kind of stuff. Like that was a good yeah. little twist to it. Yeah, I thought it was
1: a cool image of them all just shoving themselves into all the ships and flying out into space and trying to figure that out. And, um, they, they were, he he was trying to create a, a more advanced form of a zombie, you know, um, with it being a virus instead of it being, you know, these are science zombies, not magic zombies. Right. So,
2: I'm a bigger fan of science science zombies than I am.
0: Magic zombies? Yeah. I think they're also even more advanced than that because it does seem like it's an actual organism because uh, when the doctor squirts the shit out of kale, it starts moving up her hand. Uh, Chewie finds a canister of the stuff and like idiots, they're playing with it like you do in a zombie movie. And... Chewie, Chewy feels something moving around inside of it. Right. So it's right. it's like it's it's sentient, I guess, or some something that I I like the idea of that. I don't know if I loved the execution of it, but I do like the idea of it being an organism rather than a virus.
1: It is. They never do explain why a handful of them are immune, do they?
0: No.
2: It just is. It
0: they just, just is. are. They just are. And yeah, she uses they, all of her vaccine on Han and Chewie, so now there's no vaccine left for anybody.
2: Well, they don't need any more. They left.
0: <laughs> and they left. And then everything's <laughs> fine. I'm I'm sure it'll be fine.
2: It's probably like an awkward conversation with like that trooper's family too. <laughs> She's like, "Thank you for bringing this to me. You took care of it, right?" Sure, I guess. Yeah. I, don't
0: know. I mean, I they're I don't, away from don't you. Don't fly over here. But. <laughs> Stay away from Wild Space for a minute. Mm-hmm. Ever? Forever?
1: <laughs> yeah, wherever the hell, hell this is. We don't even know what year this is, right?
0: Well, the the doctor says that uh, Han looks like he's in his late 20s. Okay. But, so so still, that really doesn't n- nail it down too well.
1: Five BBY, something like that, maybe. Right. Yeah,
2: that's about what I guessed. So I mean, yeah. Like overall, I just, it was a fine, quick little book to read. Like, yeah. You know, nothing exciting.
1: I, I said, I, I, listening to it, I enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, but I remember liking it more the first time I read it. But I also don't remember Han and Chewie being in it. <laughs> when they showed up, it was a genuine surprise to me this time around, even though I have read the book before, I did not remember that they were in this book.
2: I mean, if they wrote it today, it would probably be like a Jedi that survived order 66.
0: (laughs) I'm sure it would be.
2: At least then you could have a Jedi fumbling with a lightsaber zombie, (laughs) like learning how to use it.
0: Well, I think this also was in a time before they were taking chances on new characters. Characters you didn't know running a whole book. So I, I think maybe somebody somewhere, either the author or the publisher, decided, you know what, you've got to have somebody that the people recognize in here. Otherwise, people aren't going to get on board. And I now, of course, I would and even then, honestly, would have read. Whatever Star Wars that I knew about was happening, um, I, I don't need Han and Chewie to be in stuff to care about Star Wars.
1: I, I said, I, I thought, um, listening to it, I, I enjoyed the experience. It was, it was hindered by the Han and Chewie stuff, um, which is just weird for me to say. And then, um, but i i enjoyed the rest of it and i thought that uh, it did a pretty good job of at least the audiobook did did a good job of creating this atmosphere and and giving me a, you know a solid b minus horror story you know b minus zombie movie you know which is fine you know nothing's, it's not dawn of the dead yeah but you know very few either
0: either dawn of the dead I did like the description of when the virus was starting to take hold in Chewie before the antivirus kicked in.
1: Oh, when she had to cut into his throat?
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, she used the syringe to pull the the goo out of his throat graphically. But I I did like the description of what was going through his head, like when the virus was trying to take over, convincing him that he'd killed a bunch of younglings and stuff. In that scene, it
2: did go through my head because he sees and he thinks about Mala but not Lumpy. And for a minute I like stopped and thought, and I was like, do we actually know that Lumpy is his biological child? What if that kid (laughs) is Lumpy? Like what if this is how he like, he adopts Lumpy from the (laughs) zombie (laughs) station?
1: No, he has to kill it instead.
0: Which is again, pretty graphic.
1: Yeah, there's not much more to say about it. It's, it's a, you know, the B movie.
0: It's a, it's a quick, easy read. It's like watching a, watching a zombie movie, except you're reading it. It's one of those
2: movies that comes out like in the beginning of October and you see the preview and you're like, yeah, I'd like to see that. And then you don't actually go to the movie theater to see it. And later it comes on like Showtime and you're like, "Eh, that's fine. I'll watch this.
0: Oh (laughs) no, it felt much more to me like a sci-fi movie. Like, you would just watch it on sci-fi because it was free and it was there and you were bored. I mean, that's how I watched Ghost Shark and a lot of other terrible, terrible movies.
2: And look, for people that weren't like... I don't who knows who listens to this. But if you weren't, like, media savvy in that time period, zombies were everywhere. Everywhere. So, like, I get it. Star Wars was cashing in.
1: All right, Ryan, what are we talking about next time?
2: Phase three, High Republic is back, baby. We're going from no canon to all the canon <laughs> in the Eye of Darkness by George Mann. In this book, no one is okay. Bell's not okay. Avar's not okay. No one is okay. Okay. <laughs> It is no <laughs> not a not a lighthearted read, but it's really good.
1: Yeah, I can't believe you've already read it. It came out yesterday.
2: <laughs> I sucked it down.
1: It's yeah, I got so
2: it. good.
1: Literally came out yesterday.
2: <laughs> it was only 400 pages. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
0: still though. <low. laughs> That's When you messaged last night, I was like, what the hell is he talking about? So many characters to keep straight. I didn't realize that you were already like halfway through the book last night. (laughs) Well, I am looking forward to that conversation. Um, Until then, thank you guys. And thank you all for joining us. We will talk to you very soon.
2: Roger, roger!